What's up, fam? You're about to hear a message from Hope Valley Church in Denver, Colorado. We are a new, Christ-centered, spirit-empowered, socially responsible church and campus ministry in Denver, Colorado. Whether you've been walking with Jesus for like a day or a whole lifetime, we trust that this message will help you take your next steps to follow him. If you're in the Denver metro area, we would love for you to come and worship with us. You can check us out at our website at hvdenver.com to learn more. Also, don't forget to follow, like, subscribe, however you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. Oh, and share. Now, let's jump in. We're on part three of a series, The Vibrant Christian Life. And the reason we're doing this series is because I think that a lot of people quit on Christianity because they're quitting on a caricature of it, not on the reality of it. It reminds me of a story. This, this little boy was shooting his uh, slingshot outside. He was trying to hit cans, and he couldn't hit a can to save his life. And he was just getting angry and disappointed. He was so frustrated. This boy was kicking dirt, and then he started shooting at bigger things, trees. Couldn't hit a dang thing. He hears the dinner bell go off, and he's walking in. It's a farm, as you like, just to help set context. And he's walking in, and he's walking past the barn, and he's walking past the little field. And then, and then he, sees, he sees the duck just kind of running across the lawn, and he's just he's ticked off. And so, so he just kind of takes aim at the duck out of frustration, right in the head, kills the duck. <clears throat> go figure, right? The one, the one thing he hits, he, he hits grandma's prized duck and kills it dead right there. And so he, he panics and he goes to bury the duck behind the wood pile and he's going to take care of it later, but, but his sister was watching. <clears throat> and she sees it happen. She doesn't say anything. She just smiles at him. And they go in and they eat dinner. He's terrified. He doesn't know what's going to happen. And the sister says nothing the whole time. Delightful dinner. Everything's great. Well, it's time for chores. Grandma says, okay, well, your sister can go out. She's already done. Or your brother can go out. He's already done his chores. But sister, it's your turn. You've got to do the dishes tonight. And she goes, actually, I think he wants to do the dishes tonight. And so he did the dishes that night. And then grandma invites the son to go into town. It's your turn to go into town with me today, son. Uh, Do you want to do that, sister? It's your turn to do these, these farm chores. And he goes, actually, you know, we were talking, and I think he wanted to do my chores for me today because he wanted me to get to go into town and get the candy. I think that's what was happening, grandma. And grandma's like, well, all right then. And so the brother stays home and does the chores. And this goes on for about a week and a half. And then the brother, he's losing his mind. He's just so angry at her, thinking about taking the slingshot out on her, afraid he'll, he won't hit her and afraid he will hit her. Doesn't know what to do. And so he finally, at his breaking point, he goes to grandma and he's like, grandma, I got to tell you something. I, last week, I was shooting my slingshot and I was doing so mad, I was doing so bad. And I was so mad. I, I, sh- I just shot towards the duck, and I I killed your duck. And she goes, honey, I know. She said, I saw it happen. I was standing at the window. And she goes, I forgive you, honey. It's all right. She goes, I was just waiting to see how long you were going to let your sister own your life and miss out on everything that I had for you because of a duck. And I feel like many of us live our Christian lives that way. We're aware of the pain and insecurity in our lives. We've done things that we regret. We've done done things that we're ashamed of. We think things that we're ashamed of. We have this trouble brewing in our heart. and We know that it doesn't take much to unleash it. And the devil holds us captive for these things. He reminds us of who we're not and what we've done and who we'll never be. 
And God's just waiting for us to come to him and talk to him about the pain in our heart so that we can join him in the things that he wants us to be involved in. The boy missed out on his time with grandma. The boy missed out on the trip. He missed out on candy. He missed out on sweets. He missed out on fellowship. He missed out on fun. All because he was ashamed to confess his error to his grandmother. And I believe many of us relate to Christianity the same way. And this sermon series was really about inviting us into a different kind of Christian experience. Today we're going to talk about the mission of God. And I can't talk about the mission of God without first talking about what Pastor Megan preached on and what Pastor Andrew preached on, because before we can ever be participants in the mission of God, we need to be recipients of the mission of God. And so our passage today is going to come from Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through... Revelation, whoa! Whoa! Revelation, no S, just Revelation. It was one Revelation, not a bunch, just one. Big story, being told by the evangelist or the apostle or disciple John. Uh, and Jessica's going to read for us this morning. So please... So go ahead and stand to your feet because participation is better than... Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne, saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, Look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, Write this down, for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, It is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. Father, help us to soak in what you're going to give us today. Help us to connect with your word. We pray that you would bless Pastor David and his words and that we will be able to take this back and apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. Another way to participate as the sermon is being shared is to take notes because I do believe that God wants to put things on your heart and speak to you by his Holy Spirit. And he's not going to say it like, Write this down. You know, it's just like in your heart, you're going to feel like, you're, you're going to feel like, hey, here's an idea. And, and sometimes the, hey, this is an idea is actually the spirit of God being like, hey, it's me. Write this down. This is for you. And sometimes it'll have everything to do with what I'm talking about or sometimes nothing to do with what I'm talking about. But I expect that he wants to speak to you. Now, I don't want you to forget. So uh, well, real quick about Revelation and why it's so scary. It's, it's a style of writing called apocalyptic. It was, a, it was a Hebrew writing style that is poetic and scary and wonderful and beautiful. And it's a style that's found throughout Scripture. And, and it makes, it's the hardest parts of Scripture to really understand because it's so culturally set. It can be difficult to, to, to take on what's happening. But the, the, the evangelist, John the evangelist, has this vision where God brings him up into heaven and is showing him this thing. And John has the impossible task of describing something that he's never seen or heard of before to people who have never, will never see what he's seen 
and hopefully his words are enough to give them a vision to hope for and to move towards. Does that make sense? Have you ever experienced something that, that you, you, you didn't have words for? And you kind of had to make things up to try and describe what was happening. It was, it was so amazing that you started adding syllables to words that didn't belong because, because you wanted to make it so indescribably wonderful that you just had to like stutter a little bit to make it happen. John is trying to describe something that nobody else has ever seen and paints a picture clear enough for people that the vision that God had given him would encourage them and give them the, uh, the strength to endure through all kinds of difficulty. And so in this passage, actually, verse 7 is terrifying. We stopped at verse 6, not because it's not, not because I, just because we're talking about what the mission was. And the mission of God is to make his house among his people, and by doing so, to make all things new. I'm the kind of guy that if I'm trying to decide if I want to watch a, watch a, a movie or watch a replay of a game, sometimes I'll just go to the end and figure out what's happening. I'm that guy. I know that offends some of you, and that's okay. You don't all have to agree with me. But sometimes I like looking at the end of the movie and being like, how's this thing going to end? Because I need to decide. Because I've, I've watched movies that started real well. The middle was not thought about at all. In the end, it was just a money grab, right? And I'm like, that's not what I want. And, and I want to know where this thing is going. You know, sometimes you can look at a sports score. You could be like, hey, how's this game going to end? I'm still curious how we got to that score. So, but the score is going to tell me whether or not I'm interested in watching it. Clearly, I'm not a very good sports fan. But that's how I do it. Right? Like, I'll be like, okay, well, like 17, 14. Yeah, that's close. I like that. 31, 24. I'm like, eh, but I, don't, I don't even care what happened. But I want the good story. I'm looking for the good story. And so we can do the same thing with scripture. We can look and see what was God up to by looking at the end and seeing where it landed. We can see what he was up to the whole time. Took way too much energy to describe that. But I hope that's, I, I hope that's helpful. The bottom line is that from the very beginning... Uh, from when God created all things to when he promised that he would restore things also at the beginning of Genesis. All the way throughout scripture up to Revelation is just the story of how God is working to make things new and how he is inviting people to join him in that great work of making all things new. So let's talk about this invitation from Jesus. I believe that we can participate in the mission of God by following Jesus with God's people on his mission. Pastor Megan already preached on what it means to follow Jesus. And she masterfully described some tactical things that we could do. Read our Bibles, to pray, to open up some old historical and some, some traditional um, practices that have served the church for a long time, like the daily offices, pausing throughout the day to read scripture instead of cramming it all into the very beginning of your day, but revisiting scripture in the middle of the day and afternoon and evening. Earlier this week, Megan challenged our staff. She said, hey, what if we thought about consuming the word? Like we think about consuming food or going to water, like because he is the living water and he is the living bread. And so uh, what if we did it that way? What if instead of just eating a big fat meal at the beginning of the day and then starting to feel hungry, like feeling slothy and then feeling hungry later in the day, what if we went back a bunch of times today and we spent time with Jesus and it was a beautiful encouragement. And so as we follow Jesus, it's a daily decision to follow him. And as we follow him, we're introduced into our first experience of newness. We're invited into newness for ourselves. 
1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. And when we devote ourselves wisely to these spiritual practices of reading our Bible and of prayer and of following Jesus, deciding to obey Jesus every single day with our money and in our relationships, deciding to follow Jesus allows us to agree with the new life that he's purchased for us and say no to the old life that wants to pull us back in. So that's following Jesus. Pastor Andrew preached last week, and he talked about uh, following Jesus together, right, as the people of God. And he talked about some of the tactical things, why it's important to to gather on Sunday mornings and and what it means to endure through difficulty and have different kind of relationships, how to love an Eagles fan. Can I get an amen? How to love a 49ers fan. Can I get an amen? Amen. The reality is that God has called us to walk together and he's been more interested in people than persons all along. Not to violate, not to say that he doesn't love you and that you're not the apple of his eye and that he wasn't thinking of you on the cross and that he didn't forgive your sins. Very specifically, Isaiah 61 makes it clear that Jesus, that he calls us by name. He says, I called you by name. You are mine. He knows you. You're a treasured possession. Before the beginning of the world, he knew you. He knows you in your mother's womb. He he cares about you, and he cares. He says, if if two sparrows fall from the sky and die, how much more would I care about you? How much more would he care about you individually? He loves you individually, but get this. He primarily works through peoples. And anytime a person is highlighted, it's for the benefit of the people. The whole Bible... Almost the whole Bible is written specifically to groups of people for the purpose of people reading it and learning and growing together. Uh, With the exception of like 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy and, and Titus, which were written to very specific people, but even those letters mention other people who they're writing with, and those letters were shared with the whole church. So even the letters that were written to a person were shared with everyone. Even the book Philemon that has his name on it was written to a group of people who were with Philemon. God loves groups of people. He loves it. He's passionate about it. He died for it as much as he died for you because you are a part of it. Now get this. The word disciple, a follower of Jesus, was used 260 times in the New Testament. Roughly 250 times, it's plural. 260 times the word disciple is used in the New Testament. 250 times it's plural. And of those 10 times, one of them is John referring to himself as the disciple that Jesus loved in the book that he wrote. Now there's a chance that it was, there's a chance that the disciple Jesus loved was Lazarus, but most signs point to John referring to himself. All right, so, so we've got that. And then in the book of Acts, it's referring to Timothy and to Tabitha and to others who are among the disciples when they're being referred to. God loves peoples. And he'll minister to a person for the benefit of the people so the people can be a benefit to the person. He'll minister to a person so the person brings benefit to the people so the people can benefit the person. And what happens is as we live in community with one another, the way God has designed it to work and desires for it to work in our lives on our behalf is we experience newness in a way that we never would on our own. 
Man, I experience the newness of life every single time somebody raises their hand to surrender their life to Jesus. I experience the newness of life every single time somebody chooses to get baptized in water. I receive newness of life and newness of spirit every single time somebody is a submission, out of submission to Jesus, is, is baptized in the Holy Spirit. I receive new life every time you win. I receive new life every time you are healed, every time you get a promotion, every time your relationships are reconciled. I get new life. I'm selfish like that. If we were all selfish like that, wanting everybody else's good, can you imagine how different things would be in the world? The reality is he brings us together so that we can experience newness all the time. But, but something else happens in community is that at the same time as we experience newness, we also experience loss and sorrow and hardship. And as I join you in loss and sorrow and in, in hardship, newness appears in another way. Because the grace of God appears in a fresh, new way in the most painful and difficult of circumstances. Yeah. One time, I literally left a wedding that we had been looking forward to for, for years. This girl that we'd been praying for, believing God with, trusting God. that you know, She was being faithful. And she's like, I just don't see how God's going to bring somebody to me. And we were just believing God. She finally got married. I officiate the wedding. And then as soon as we sit down for the reception, I get a call that another church member's baby just died. So I went straight from a wedding and all of the celebration that it was to an ER where people were screaming and crying and tubes are everywhere and the baby was in terrible shape. And the newness of God appeared in both places. And when we, chew, when, we, when, we, when we separate ourselves from the people of God because of hurt or difficulty, because of fear of affiliation with those people, whatever that means to you, you miss out on the grace of God appearing and making you new. And the church misses out on the newness that you would bring with you. Now, it's a funny thing to say out loud to, to a group on a Sunday morning, right? Like, because you're, you're here. You're like, hey, we're doing it. Don't be mad at me. <laughs> I'm not. I just want us to understand that the pain is part of God's plan to bring about newness in all of our lives. God loves peoples, and he invites us to do the same. Now, I want to talk about his mission. I know that was heavy. Can everybody just, whew. all right. Now you've all got COVID. <laughs> I want to talk about now that we've been recipients of God's mission. Now that we've been recipients of God's mission, I want to I talk about how we can join God in this mission of making all things new. You excited about that, Denzel? I'm excited about that. This is the most exciting part. I didn't mean, I didn't realize how heavy that second idea was going to be until it started coming out. And I was like, oh, this is a lot. We join God on his mission by making new things, by making things new, and by making disciples. And I'll describe all three of those things briefly. We experience and walk in the mission of God by making new things. I believe 
that Christians should be culture makers. I think we should be creating the best stuff. And for a long time, Christians were creating the worst stuff. But we got some good stuff coming out. Have you watched The Chosen? That's some good stuff. Right? Like, it's like, hey, we found Final Cut Pro. Like, like, that's video editing software. It's like, hey, we found professional cameras. Yes! The people of God are catching up. Watch out! Like, we're creating things. We should be solving problems that the world has by making new things. Everybody can scream about the problems, but who can bring a solution? I believe the people of God are the ones who should be bringing a solution. Have we talked about George Washington Carver lately? No. Oh, my God, he's amazing. Do you know how amazing this man is? He, he was like, God, teach me about the universe. And God's like, that's too big for you. He said, God, teach me about the world. That's too big for you, my son. Teach me about humanity. That's too much. Teach me about myself. That's too much. He said, teach me about this peanut. And God said, deal. (laughs) And so George Washington Carver, with a Bible, a microscope, and a peanut, walked into the laboratory and discovered all sorts of things about this lowly peanut that changed the world. I believe that we should all be walking into our workspace with our laptop, our Bible, and whatever your peanut is. Whatever your peanut is. Let's create some stuff. You know why all the Jesuses are white in the art? Because the Renaissance, it's because of like imperialism and stuff like that. Colonial, some really bad problems. But it's because the Middle Ages, they decided we need to make some art that reflects the glory of God in the earth. And they thought God looked like them. But here's, here's something. Every culture that has received Jesus has art of Jesus that looks like them. There are Japanese Jesuses and African Jesuses, Ethiopian Jesuses. I know Ethiopia's in Africa. I was broad and I was taking it in, okay? So they're Kenyan Jesuses. So like they're all kind of, so like, all right, I know geography. There are South American Jesuses, Brazilian, in South America Jesuses. You tracking? Okay, the big Jesus on, like, in Rio Grande, like, the big Jesus, the 150-foot Jesus, right? Like, in Talladega Nights talks about an eight-pound, six-ounce baby Jesus. <laughs> what I'm saying is there are lots of Jesuses created. The problem is not that there were white Jesuses created then. It's that we stopped making Jesus when we figured out he wasn't white. We stopped making culture, and we just started fussing about it. Right? Like, we could, we could fuss about culture all we want, but God has called us as the people of God to join him in the creation mandate and make new things. And I believe that God is going to anoint his people who are looking for the opportunity to join him in his mission to make new things. New music, new art, new technology that heals and restores and brings about newness. We don't get to choose the mission of God. He's established that. We get to join him in it. And with our skills and talents and abilities and resources, get behind it and work where he's working and seeing newness come to our earth as it is in heaven. You tracking? Y'all, I'm so excited about this. This is what our membership class is going to be about, by the way. It's like super tactical. It's like following Jesus, like actually, like how to read your Bible, how to pray, and it's not, it's not even long. It's just to start the conversation so we know what to talk about when we go to coffee or so that you know what to talk about with your group, so that you know what to talk about with your service team leader, so that you can build these relationships and talk to your friends about it. And we're talking about in, that, in the how to church, like in the, in the second part with one another, we're going to talk about how to fight at church. We're going to like, not like fight, like drop gloves, but like, like we're going to talk about how we handle things like elections and politics and disagreements on football, right? Like we're going to, I keep looking at you, Tim. I'm sorry, brother. I love you. I just, I just, 
I don't even have a problem with the Eagles. I just, I don't know. I was just bold to wear green today. <laughs> but we're going to live with one another, and we're going to fight with one another, and we're going to be uncomfortable, and we're going to really like one another, and we're going to hurt one another. We're going to talk about how we get through that. Pretty cool, right? Wayne Somer is going to help with that because he's been through, he's been through some church. And then, and then we're going to talk about the mission of God. This is what we're going to talk about. How do we take the ideas and the creativity and the values that are in our heart and bring about newness as a result of those working through and out of our lives? All right, so we need to make new things. Got it? Say, I need to make new things. Great. Now we're going to make things new. The reason we're spending so much time in the book of Luke is because I want to take time and look at what Jesus was doing. Because I think the more that we look at what Jesus is doing, the more likely we're going to go and do it ourselves. But sometimes what we do is we, we make Christianity about, about just how I relate or how everything relates to my own life instead of stepping fully into the mission of God. Does that make sense? Instead of saying, yes to Jesus, I'm gonna join you on your mission, you're saying, hey, you know, like, I want you to help me first. And Jesus all along is saying, no, no, this is what I'm like. This is what I'm doing, join me in it. And I want us to see what he's doing so that we can go and do what he's doing. So we need to make new things. So we need to join him. We need to, res- we need to bring about restoration. We need to heal things that are broken. We need to heal people that are broken. We need to not be afraid of pain, but instead bring the grace of the gospel with us into the darkest parts of it. We need to not be afraid of of our culture, but instead go to the darkest place of it and bring healing the way Jesus brought healing. I believe that if we join God in his mission and and we join him in making uh, things new, we'll see our heart, we'll we'll not only see newness take place in our heart as we see it take place in other people's hearts, but we'll see newness take hold of entire families. We'll see newness take take hold of entire communities. I believe, I'm not, I'm, I'm the kind of guy, I believe that newness can take can take hold of an entire city. I believe that. Now, it's not just Hope Valley moving this way. It's, it's Hope Valley with all the other churches experiencing newness, working together for the glory of God. I believe that's, that's how that happens. We bring about newness through prayer and intercession. Through prayer and intercession, it can bring newness because when we pray and God makes his, his home among us, just him being close to us heals us. Just Jesus drawing close to us restores us. Now, sometimes we have to add counseling to that because our, our, our thinking needs help. Sometimes we need to go to doctors because our bodies still need help. But he can refresh and restore our spirit. And from the deepest parts of us, push his healing out for our benefit, to the benefit of our community, and then to our benefit again. You see, in the, you see in the cycle that it creates? All right, and the last thing um, I believe that we need to do to join God in his mission is invite other people to do the same. In Matthew chapter 28 and other places in the Gospels, Jesus left his disciples with these words. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. I'll be with you to the end. Uh, be, uh, uh, all authority is mine. Whatever, you got it. 
I'm really excited about this next idea. It is the primary thing that God told them to do because by doing this, they would most effectively be joining into the mission of God. Because by doing this, now I talked about a little kind of mini cycle, the benefit that we experience in community. Check this out. As we share the gospel with people, the newness of God is revealed to a sick and dying world. And we see newness take heart in people's hearts and minds. And we see the newness of the gospel restore and refresh and heal people's hearts. And then we see those people plugged into community and experiencing the same. And then joining into the mission, it creates, it creates a, a life cycle. Not like, not like, not the life cycle you learned about in school, like life, death, decomposition and whatever, like not that one. I mean a life cycle that like life goes to people who are sick and dying and then life comes to a community and then life goes out to the city in God's mission and life comes back to the sick and dying and life goes into the community and then life goes into the city and then life goes back to the people who are sick and dying and life goes back into the community and life moves into the city and then life moves back to the sick and the dying and the hurt and the shamed. Everybody running from the ducks they killed. Need to know that God knows and he loves them anyway. And that there's a place for them, not just in his presence, but among his people. Not just among his people, but also in his family business of making all things new. Go ahead and stand to your feet. I got a question for you. I hope, I expect that maybe God spoke to you about some area of your life. Maybe, maybe you're, you're here and, and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. You've never surrendered your life to him and, and you were just kind of here to check this out and feel it out and trying to sort, sort it out, whatever. I want to ask you this question. Have you decided to follow Jesus with your life? Maybe you need to decide again to follow Jesus with your life. Maybe that's, maybe that's, that's the starting point for all of us is to follow Jesus because we can't very well join him in his mission if we, haven't, if we don't know him. Some of us have been following Jesus, but we've been reluctant about joining in with his people because you don't want to associate with those people on the right or those people on the left. You don't want to associate with those people who, who the, you know, the, the, the Catholic church or the Methodist church or the Presbyterians or the Baptists. So you're looking for the perfect non-denominational church. <laughs> pastor Andrew's laughing up front. Pastor Brett Fuller, uh, my pastor growing up said, hey, if you ever find the perfect church, leave because you'll mess it up. <laughs> but maybe you've been holding back from the people of God for whatever, all the reason, and, and they're all valid. But it's not all the way true. Because, because you, you got like part of the story, but you missed the part of the story that like God is saying, no, 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 I want you to be among people so that you can experience a greater fullness of my presence and healing and newness that you won't experience if you don't join up. That's not an advertisement for membership. Just plug in somewhere with the people of God. Find people somewhere to join yourselves to so you can experience the fullness of God in a way that you never will if you run by yourself. And then some of us need to go, some of us have been bored with church because, because we're like, well, when does it get deeper? Because you're, you're, you're following Jesus and you're doing well. 
and you joined up with his people and you're like, I'm doing the thing. I'm freaking doing the things. Get off me. But why is my Christianity boring? It's because many of us never enter into the mission of God. We just remain the mission field. But I believe that what God wants to do is he wants to invite us into, like, guys, I'll tell you what, I, I care less about uh, my, my Christian experience than I do, you guys are standing, I can't see your eyes, like, it drives me crazy. Like, this feels so separate, but at least I can see your eyes. Like, this feels, like, pretty pretentious. Does it feel, like, should I be preaching from here? Sit down real quick. Let's test this out. This feels, like, way pretentious. You guys, just by show of hands, you want me on the floor? Who wants me on the stage? Okay, floor wins. Stand to your feet. Participation is better than. There we go. Thank you for that little, I've been wondering that for months. So, so we'll sort that out later. What was I talking about? I don't care about my experience. What I care about, what I care about is the light turning on for somebody else. Like I can get mine. I get mine in my, I, I, my, my closet at home. I'm literally in the closet. We turned our closet into an office during COVID and it just stayed that way. I go into literally a closet and pray and worship and I get what I need there. Sundays, man, I, I just want you to see Jesus. I want the light to turn on your, in your eyes. I want the light to turn on in your heart. I want your spirit to stir to life and overflow. I can't wait for these guys I'm meeting at Starbucks and that I'm meeting at the barber shop to come in and have their life transformed. That's what I'm living for. And that brings me more life than just about anything that I've ever gotten for myself. But I, most of us don't ever get to that place because we thought that that was just for the pastors. We don't get to that place because we thought it was for the people who don't have problems or for the people who are, who are so holy or so great. No, that's a, that's a lie. I don't know a pastor who's holy because I don't know a person who's holy outside of Jesus, that kind of thing. I'm not saying then we're not corrupt. I mean, they're, they're as corrupt as any other kind of person. That's scary or like comforting. Which one was that? I don't know. We got to worship quick. Just which one, which one is it for you? You need to say yes to Jesus. You need to say yes to his people or you need to say yes to the mission of God. One of those things. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, this morning, we've got some yeses in our hands. We've got some yeses in our hearts. And Father, I, I ask that according to your grace and your mercy, you would pour out your spirit so that our yes could be multiplied not just for our benefit, but for the benefit of the people we're among and for the benefit of the city we dwell in. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you would pour out your grace in such a way that you open up our eyes to the reality of the vibrant Christian life, that we don't have to hide because of our wrong things and our wrong thoughts, but we can run to you and ask for your forgiveness. I thank you that you offer us something much better than just doing the chores, but you've invited us into new life as you make your home among us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.